It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas mistruths or misconceptions and it is getting us into a world of hurt is it freedom or is it force let's have a conversation indeed let's have a conversation and welcome to the kim munson show i am kim munson thank you so much for joining us each of you are treasured valued you have purpose today strive for excellence take care of your heart your soul your mind and your body you were made for this very interesting time in history and thank you to this team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Charlie, and this whole team at Crawford Broadcasting for all their hard work. As we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom, if something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Producer Steve, happy day after Sunday, day before Tuesday. Oh, go ahead and say it. It's, <laughs> mo- it's Monday. I tell you, I tell you, with all that's going on in this world, though, each day is a blessing, and uh, we have to step into what, whatever the day is uh, presenting to us. And uh, my gosh, we uh, the old Chinese proverb, "May you live in interesting times," is certainly playing out, <laughs> producer Steve. Uh, you know, with all the upheaval and uh, the ugly things, there's more and more clarity too. There is more and more clarity. The veil is certainly off. Uh, I would recommend, though, check out our website. There is so much great information there. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. Uh, We rolled out two op-eds this weekend. One was uh, by Pam Long. It's the Colorado gubernatorial race, campaign rhetoric versus reality. She actually goes through and offers real solutions. And then Brad Beck's follow the leader. So be sure and check those out. Uh, Also, want to invite all of you. Our uh, America's Veterans Story show yesterday was Gilbert J. Herrera, World War II veteran, 97 years old, fought at Battle of the Bulge, as well as Operation Varsity. And uh, tomorrow they are going to honor him Tuesday, March 1st, 10 a.m. at Redemption Hills Church, which is at 7462 South Everett Street in Littleton. I'm going to be there. But I'd recommend bring your kids and your grandkids. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to meet a World War II veteran. And he actually, uh, George Patton came came through when some of their troops were moving and gave some orders. I mean, he saw George Patton. So how many times do you have that opportunity, Steve? Not very often. And again, uh, you know, when we recorded him last week, the look in his eye as he was telling his story was just so riveting to me. Uh, it's just he he impacted me in such a great way. I, I agree. So tomorrow you can meet him. So be sure and, and uh, get that on your calendar. Another thing when we talk about America tomorrow is caucus. And so that is uh, find out where your caucus is. It's basically just a meeting of your neighbors of your uh, political party to determine um, decisions on who's going to run for office. So be sure and check that out. Yuli Paulson uh, with the Weld County GOP wanted to in particular mention that you can get that information at WeldCountyGOP.org. But it is important to show up. Uh, well, I got you don't a like question. what's going on, show up. I got a question. Uh, okay. We have a, a, a huge conflict here, two uh, diametrically opposing things. 
it's caucus night, great, but it's also State of the Union night. What what do you do? Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> I need to do both. I'm gonna. I've got to figure. Out, I forgot that that was at the same time. I need need to figure that out. I don't know how the, you know mm-hmm. those things get scheduled like that. Obviously, we don't have any pull over the State of the Union, but geez, I, I saw uh, it this early this morning. I thought, uh oh. Uh Oh, is right, because I need to be at both places. I'll have to figure that out. Um, Wanted to mention the show comes to you. I have great sponsors. One of them is Hooters Restaurants. They've got $10 burger specials. And you need to uh, check that out because with with all that we have going on with inflation, it's great to check that out. A couple of things. Let's see. We've got a jam-packed show. This show is brought to you by the Harris Family. And uh, today we'll be talking with Ben Martin on our essential American founders, which I think is so important when we see what's going on with Ukraine. We see this hot invasion of Russia, of Ukraine, of Ukraine, but we have had a cool invasion of our country. It's occurring on our southern border. And we can certainly see what Ronald Reagan meant when he said peace through strength. Uh, the world is looking at Biden and America and realizes that we are weak. And so all of these dictators across the uh the world are saber rattling, and we'll we'll talk about that more tomorrow because we've got such a jam packed show planned for you. But our quote for today was Benjamin Franklin, since we'll be talking about our two essential uh, framers, our founders, and he said, "War is when the government tells you who the bad guy is. Revolution is when you decide that for yourself." Uh, how predictable! But we're uh, the show's. It's an important show. We, it's uh, brought to you by a lot of great sponsors. And on the line with me is Danielle Green. She is with Kirsch Insurance Group. They are specialists in the Medicare arena. And the great thing about them is they work with a lot of different carriers. So they're not just, they don't just have to work with one company. So they can help you find what is best for you. Danielle Green, welcome to the show. Hi, Kim, and thank you for having me. How are you guys? Well, doing well. A couple of things. A, I can't believe how fast time is going. We're in this time period that people can make diff- uh, changes to their advantage plans, and I guess the end time on that is the end of March, and that seemed like a long way away, and it's like right around the corner now. Correct. That is correct. Um, and again, you know, to, to say, to reiterate myself, is that this is a great, great opportunity for people who are currently on Advantage plans, for us to just look at what plans they're on and make sure that it's still the correct plan for them moving forward um, into the next year. Um, Our services are completely free, um, and it's just kind of allowing us to give clients a good education on their plan and, and what they currently have and seeing if there is something out there that could be better and fit their individual needs. Well, with Medicare, government stuff, it's clear as mud to me. That is why people need people like you uh, at Kirsch Insurance Group to try to navigate through all of this stuff so that that people set themselves up for success. And, And, Danielle, you always say that knowledge is power. I do. I'm a firm believer of that, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, the more educated and the more you know about your plan, um, the better that it fits your fits your needs. Um, I see a lot of times clients coming in and just not really sure what they signed up for, and that's something we sit down and we break it down to them so they fully understand their policy. Well, and Medicare premiums have gone up. Uh, we've talked about it before. One of the biggest increases out there, and there's possibly some things that you can do to help people um, do do something better than what they're on right now. Correct. That, that is correct. Uh, we saw that Part B go from 148 
uh, to 170. So that is a very, very large increase for people. Um, there are plans out there that give you a Part B give back, meaning they help you pay for some of your Part B premium, um, which is a wonderful opportunity. And is that per month that went from from 148 to up to 170 something per month? Correct. Yes, ma'am. That 170 is per month. That is a monthly um, premium wow. for Part B. So when you're going from 140 to 170, um, that is a very large increase. And we're here to help navigate people on on how to kind of get rid of some of that cost. Well, um, I would recommend that people reach out to you. Probably the best way is through the website. What's that website, Danielle? Yeah, so that is just ikirsch.com. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. That's ikirsch.com. Danielle, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Perfect. Thank you, guys. And we'll be right back with Ben Martin. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage wear. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are truly an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. This show is brought to you by the Harris family. We're doing a series uh, with Ben Martin. And I think this is our fourth year. I've got to ask him about that. But this is on our America's founders, and we'll be bringing he'll uh, Ben will be bringing these men and women to life. And Ben is a patriotic historian, a former Army Ranger, graduate from West Point. Ben Martin, welcome to the show. Hey, hey Kim, and glad to be with you today, and and, and with your patriotic listeners. We and this them. is our four, it's our fourth year, isn't it, of doing it's our fourth year? Yep, we started in. 2019, and now it's 2022, Um, and I hope this is the the best year ever for us. Well, we've got a lot of work to do, but uh, as I normally start the show, Ben, I say to to our listeners, we were made for this time, and we'll be talking about our founders. They were made for that time, and uh, we can learn so much from them. So where do you want to start, Ben Martin? Well, today I would like to start with uh, just just an overall statement to say that our presentation is entitled The Essential Founding Fathers, and in it we're going to discuss what we mean by Essential Founding Father, that name who the founders who are, 
those those ones that, that earn that and give them an overview of the contributions to the creation and establishment of our country, the United States of America. And I just want to say that many folks who are listening this morning may be thinking, you know, there are so many important current issues facing our nation right now. Why should we take the time to go back and review our founding history? Instead, they may think, let us address those issues that press us now. And the answer, Kim, the simple and short answer, is that we must learn from the the universal and timeless principles upon which they founded our nation, the virtuous characteristics that guided our founders, the sage decisions they made, and the compromises they fashioned for the common good, or as they stated back then, the general welfare. So that's what we're looking at doing today, and that's why this is so important. And so we we talk about the essential founding fathers, Kim, and there's no better example to start with than our two essential founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin and George Washington. Ben, just just a quick question before we get into this. um, I'd like you to talk a little bit about general welfare and what that meant by the founding fathers, and that may be what you're going to be talking about in this presentation, but the term a common good general welfare has been hijacked by PBIs, those politicians and bureaucrats and interested right. parties, to use that to push forward their agenda. So do you want to address that now or when we get into yeah, the we can uh, just, presentation? Just quickly address it, you know, Kim. I, I first of all said the common good which is what they were looking at, and they called, but they didn't call it like we, they didn't call welfare what we call welfare today. The, the general good that they meant was the common, the common good, the general welfare, which meant that you could not, and, and we'll talk about that because Benjamin Franklin, he, he was sort of the father of that. He imbued that, that characteristic, and he, inf, he infused it into the, the, the whole character of our nation. And, and it meant that we that both sides, and that, that was a mantra that he used over and over again. He says, both sides must give up some of their demands. I mean, we have to fashion compromise, and, and that's what happened when we fashioned uh, the, the Constitution in our government. And, and so we'll talk about that, but that's what it means. It means that, you know, we can't have a law or anything that... that favors one side or one state or one area and, and disfavors another. And so that was always, the, and that's what we don't seem to be doing today. Every side wants their, their all their demands and not the other sides. And that's what Benjamin Franklin talked about all the time during the Constitutional Convention by, by that mantra that he used. You know, both sides must be willing to give up some of their demands to make but, something that's fashionable for and, and good for for all uh, all the states or all the parties involved. But a couple of things on that, Ben. Don't you think that even though they had disagreements, they had this common goal, if you will, of, right. of liberty, these rights of individuals. Absolutely. And so they, they could come together, and they but, they but they had this common goal, whereas in America today, there are those that do not have this common goal of liberty for we the people. And so there's a, a big difference, and, and that's why they fought King George, is because King George didn't have this vision of liberty for all people. So it's an important distinction to, to make. And the other thing is, is common good general welfare does not mean that government, under the guise of general welfare, 
take from one person to give to another. That's never what they meant. They meant that prosperity. They never meant that. Exactly. So important to make that to, that um, that point. Okay. So Benjamin well, Franklin. For let's emphasizing that, Kim. I appreciate it. That that is that is really important. And you know we're going to get to that more towards the end of our our program. Not this presentation today, but the, by the end of the year, when we're talking about George Washington and his farewell address and how much he warned against that. He warned against the formation of parties. Uh, in you know the Constitution was written. To, to combat one of the great things that destroy most societies, most nations, and that was this, this faction this, this, uh, that destroys people, that pulls people apart. And, and he talks about that, and we should talk about that a lot more today. So okay. uh, as we go through that, Benjamin Franklin and George Washington, they were the essential founding fathers, and why do we give them this honor? If we take an overview of our founding, we can divide it into phases. The first phase contains the causes of the Revolutionary War, or the, the American Revolution, things such as the French and Indian War, which caused Great Britain to impose taxes and sanctions uh, unfairly upon the American colonies and the resultant American response to Great Britain. The next phase is the declaring of, the, of, the, of American independence and the fight to secure that independence. And the final phase is the creation of our American republic under the U.S. Constitution and the establishment of our first government. And, and so we're going to talk about those four phases throughout this in all of the presentations we make. But we have many people that we call founding fathers who contributed mightily in these phases but none, none who contributed as mightily in all of these phases as did our two essential founding fathers, Washington and Franklin, and who worked so closely together as a team. Further, it is to be asserted that without either of these men and their contributions and their teamwork, we would not be where we are today. That's, that's how important it was for them. The award-winning author and historian, Gordon S. Wood put it this way, George Washington and Ben Franklin rank as the preeminent founders. Without the former's determined, determined leadership of the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War and the latter's assiduous cultivation French, of French support that ultimately secured victory, there would be no United States today. It can also be said that besides their indispensable contributions to winning the Revolutionary War, they also played critical roles in the French and Indian Wars and developing the sentiment among American colonies towards liberty before the start of the war, as, as well as their critical roles they played in creating our Constitution and establishing our first government. So that's why they're called the Essential Founding Fathers. And first of all, let us outline their characteristics that made the founders so extraordinary. Again, going back to, to Gordon S. Wood, in his book, he covered so well this subject. The book is called Revolutionary Characters, What Made the Founders Different. In it, he says, the brilliance of their thought, the creativity of their politics, and their ability to combine the two have been without equal. They were, by and large, elites in our contemporary terms who adhered to a classical idealism of disinterested leadership. 
And, and that's, again, that goes back, and it says it's the devotion to the public good, or as they often called it, the general welfare, to reemphasize what you said earlier when we, when we started this presentation. They were also products of the 18th century Enlightenment, otherwise known as the Age of Reason. They were influenced by European philosophers such as David Hume and Rousseau and John Locke and Charles Louis de Montesquieu and the philosophic uh, economist Adam Smith. They found broad, they, the founders broadly believed in science, too. Jefferson and Franklin actually practiced it, and they embraced religious tolerance. And uh, the great proponent of that, again, was Benjamin Franklin. So the, that uh, gives you a, a good feel for why they were called, well, first of all, what founding fathers were, and why we give that honor to George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. And the next we'll go into and talk about their overview and teamwork. Okay, well, remarkable men, uh, for sure, but there were many remarkable men. And, and when we look at this, how did all of these that men come together? And it, it is the divine provider. The divine provider has had his hand on this country since the beginning. And I don't think he's giving up on us yet. We're in a complex, messy time, but they were in a complex, messy time as well, Ben Martin. They certainly were, and there certainly were those people who will talk about it. And really, Benjamin Franklin was one of those people uh, with, his, with his humor, with his homespun humor, and, and he always tried to bring people back together, you know, and he always tried to say, you know, hey, that's really funny. And, and we'll talk about some of those examples, not only in this presentation today, but when we put uh, Benjamin Franklin into in the context of some of those phrases as we discuss them in our future presentations. Okay, I need to ask you this question because oh. <laughs> out there is uh, is Benjamin Franklin. I think in a way to um, make people disregard him to some degree is they said that he was quite the womanizer. Is is that the case? I, you know that's really not the case. Benjamin Franklin, and we'll we'll talk about we, we'll talk about that later. But you know, it's really a remarkable thing. He had a uh, an illegitimate child. And he didn't, like a lot of the wealthy people, wealthy men, send that woman that was pregnant off away to have the child and, and never be heard from again. He claimed that child, that illegitimate child, as his son. And he raised him as his son. And his wife also accepted him in, into the household. And he, he became a successful man, although he was a disappointment to Benjamin. He was obviously a disappointment to Benjamin Franklin because he became a royal governor for the British here in America, and, and he was a British loyalist. So uh, things always don't work oh, out the oh. way you want them to. <laughs> and, well, that, that's, that's true. That's true. Okay, Ben, I tell you what, let's go to break, uh, and we'll continue on. I appreciate that clarification regarding Benjamin Franklin. Uh, but before we do that, though, I want to shout out to a great sponsor of the show, and that is Kirsch Insurance Group. They are specialists in the Medicare arena, and many of, of you have seen your Medicare premiums uh, go up significantly. They work with a lot of different brokers, and it doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything to reach out to them and see if you might be able to make a change. And their website is iKirsch, that's I-K. 
K-I-R-S-C-H.com. That's iKirsch.com. And we'll be right back with Ben Martin. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Glory, glory, hallelujah. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice as we search for truth, clarity, uh, bring uh, these important issues to you. Look at them through this lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Uh, love this show. This is the, the one that we're doing today. Is, it's been a series with Ben Martin. We've done the Federalist Papers and um, gone through battles of the Revolutionary War. This year, we are doing once a month our America's Essential Founders. And uh, thank you to the Harris family for their sponsorship of this show. Ben Martin, the two, uh, Ben Franklin and George Washington. Let's talk a little bit more about Ben Franklin. Okay, well, let's let's talk about them. And, and this is a thing where we talk about them together because they work together in all the phases that we described in the first part of the, of the presentation today, uh, all the different phases of our founding. And so their teamwork. Franklin and Washington work together, and this is never this is a subject that has never been fully addressed in the presentation of our founding. But now we have a book out called Franklin and Washington, their team, and it it really does help to address how they work so closely together. And the founders did not always agree on everything, <laughs> and that's a big understatement because sometimes they fall like honey badgers, Kim. Mm-hmm. And amid all of this divisiveness. America was blessed with a supremely magnanimous and unifying leader in the form of George Washington. And in our current polarized climate today, it is hard to imagine someone so universally admired as George Washington was. The acclaimed American historian and Pulitzer Prize-winning author said, and this is Joseph Ellis, said, if there was a Mount Olympus in early America's history, if there was a Mount Olympus in early America's history, Washington stood at the top. Washington's benevolent humility was part of his appeal. The empire-conquering hero who could have ruled America for life had he not relinquished the presidency in 1796. Neither Caesar nor Cromwell had done it before him, and neither Napoleon, Lenin, Stalin, or Mao would do it after him. He was the rarest of creatures, an indispensable figure who declared himself disposable 
think of that. The, the, the indispensable figure who declared himself disposable. Wow. War, Woods also said, and we talked about Wood also as being a Pulitzer Prize winner, if the founders sometimes fell short, they also established an enduring archetype of self-government. And the soaring words of the Declaration offered a set of beliefs that, that through the generations have supplied a bond that holds together the most divisive nation that history has ever known. Again, emphasis, the most divisive his, nation that history has ever known. And when we talk about all the things, you talk about the arguments they had, you know, they never really argued. They could always come together. I mean, they had little things that they might argue greatly about, but they could always come together on those principles. And those principles are found in our Declaration, starkly, and then they're interwoven into the government that was formed under our Constitution. And so Benjamin Franklin, so they, this bond that holds us all together today, despite all the, the arguments that we're having today and the differences of opinion. And so, so we, talk about Frank, uh, we talk about Washington's leadership in that, and then Franklin's contribution. He was often called the first American. H.W. Brands wrote a, a book by this title, which was a Pulitzer Prize finalist. He explained his tribute like this. Wit, diplomat, scientist, philosopher, businessman, inventor, and bon vivant. Franklin was, in every respect, America's first Renaissance man. Another historian and Pulitzer Prize winner, Walter Isaacson. It's one of the first books that I really embraced when I, when I started the second phase of my life, I guess you could say, about studying our founding heritage. Walter Isaacson is Franklin is the founding father that winks at us. During his 84-year life, Franklin was America's best scientist, inventor, diplomat, writer, and business strategist. And he was also one of the most practical political thinkers. He proved that lightning was electricity. He invented a rod to harness it. He invented bifocal glasses and a more efficient stove. He made charts of the Gulf Stream current. He made market improvements in civic life, creating the Junto, a forerunner to today's Rotary and Lions Clubs. He started lending libraries that could share books because they were so important and so hard to get way back then. He started a volunteer fire corps and insurance agencies. He started a newspaper and, and the, the concept of franchises. Poor Richard's Almanac. And he helped to create America's unique style of homespun humor, which we talked about before in the break. It was later practiced, this form of American homespun humor. It was later practiced by Mark Twain, Will Rogers, and Abraham Lincoln. In foreign policy, Franklin created his own style approach that wove together idealism and the balance of power realism, as seen especially in his negotiations with France for an, a critical wartime alliance that helped win the Revolutionary War. 
and the beneficial treaty of Paris at the end of the war, at that conclusion. He was a front-runner in designing and proposing a seminal plan called the Albany Plan back in 1754 for uniting the colonies. That's before we we were ever really thinking about independence or anything like that, and creating a federal mode of a national government. He was the founder most responsible for, and this is the part that brings people together, most responsible for instilling the virtue of tolerance especially religious tolerance, and the concept of compromise. And we'll talk about that again at the, at the end of this lecture, this presentation. During the French and Indian War, Franklin and Washington worked together to support Britain's calamitous foray into the wilderness to capture the French fort at Pittsburgh called Fort Duquesne, while Washington accompanied that British force and prevented their annihilation. It's, you know, we talked about that before in the in the battles that we talked about, uh, Kim, and, and, and how remarkable it was, you know, how he was protected with the bullets flying through his coat and, and, and killing the horses upon which he rode during that battle. But he saved their complete annihilation, uh, which was unbelievable. And, and he was sick while he was doing that. And so, that was George Washington. And he was, was yes. a, he was a pretty young man, wasn't he? He was a pretty young man. He was 20, 24 years old at that, at that time. Yes, he was, wow. he was a pretty young man and, and, uh, and an inexperienced man, but uh, he learned quickly. And, and even though he didn't have the military background and experience that the British did, he was the one that kept advising them against what they were doing. And when that still failed and they were caught in this, this terrifying ambush that killed uh, more than half of, the, of their forces, he was the one that rode through there, organized them, and got them, got them out, saved them from the, the complete annihilation of that British force. And so that, so that was during the French and Indian War. And in the assembly of the Second Continental Congress that produced the Declaration, Franklin paid, played a key role there being a member of the Committee of Five that helped Jefferson write the document, and then working behind the scenes to convince key state delegates to sign it, to approve it. And while Washington at the time was sent from that Continental Congress to Boston to take command of the Continental Army. So you can see their roles intertwine and they complement each other um, in, in these two phases that, we're, that, we're, that we're talking about right now. And then during the Revolutionary War, Franklin created the alliance with France that provided the money, supplies, arms, ammunition, the forces, and the Navy to support Washington's continental forces as he led them to the ultimate victory. So again, they're working together in this phase. And then at the, in the final phase, Washington and Franklin teamed up during the Constitutional Convention to produce our magnificent and long-lived Constitution. Washington's presence at that convention assured the attendance of the best statesmen from each state, except for Rhode Island, who didn't send any representatives. Washington's first visit after arriving in Philadelphia and before the start of the convention was to his friend and co-worker, his teammate, Benjamin Franklin. And there they planned a strategy under Franklin's mulberry tree. Washington's leadership throughout that convention kept the delegates focused on the important object, 
while Franklin kept them calm and he kept the contentions of the, some of the sparring partners' states, working towards and sometimes fashioning important compromises and even calling for prayer at a very critical time in the, when it the, looked like the convention was going to break apart. His famous mantra was, both sides must part with some of their demands. His convention-ending speech calling for each delegate to doubt a little of his own infallibility resulted in all but three states signing. And Walter Isaacson said of that speech by Franklin at, at, at the end of the convention, those were the most eloquent words ever written by Franklin and perhaps the best words ever written by anyone about the miracle of the American system and the spirit of compromise that created it. And, and that was really Franklin's role throughout all of this, about, about finding this way to bring the sides together for compromise. And, and the compromise worked out for the good of our country. Franklin died two years after the ratification of the Constitution, and Washington went on to become America's first president. And during his time there, he established the structure of the executive office, the cabinet, and the first Supreme Court, and the consonant workings of the three branches of government. This is an overall summary, Kim, of the contributions of our two, our two essential founding fathers. And we will discuss in more detail and in more context their contributions in the various phases of our American founding in our future presentations of this program of the American Founding Fathers. Well, and Ben Martin, I so appreciate you bringing to life this relationship between George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. I want to make a point. This this spirit of compromise, again, that Franklin was talking about, they had this, this goal, this goal that we the people would govern ourselves and right. that we had these inherent beliefs that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Right. And so they did compromise as they were trying to craft what that Constitution would look like. In 2022 America, when we talk about compromise, as I look back at public policy, we have compromised away much of our freedom. We've abdicated much of our representative government to administrative government. And I feel that we've been kind of a bait and switch on they've used uh, some of the founding fathers' words, the spirit of compromise, but we have compromised away our freedoms and we realize that now, and so we are at this new remarkable time in our country. Your quick comment on that, Ben Martin, before we go to break. Well, you're exactly right, Kim, and then we go back to those principles, those timeless and universal principles. And those principles, you know, that Franklin talked about in the, in the Constitutional Convention, he said those, those the, the, the uh, providence, divine providence was upon us as we made that. And, and, you know, we talk about the divine providence in the God, God in four different segments in the making of that Declaration of Independence. And those phrases still appear in our Constitution today, in, in our Declaration, but are interwoven into our Constitution. And we can compromise many things, like I've, I've said throughout this presentation, but we can't compromise upon those principles. 
that all men are created equal. And these are the same principles as we've talked about in other lectures about how Lincoln used these same principles to keep our, our to bring to, to keep our union together, and then to bring the union back together after the after the war was over. And it's just a, it's just a shame that he didn't live long enough to to fully go through the the reunification of, of and the rebuilding of our country. But yes, we those principles we can compromise a lot of things, but we can't compromise our principles. Right, and your references to Lincoln and the Civil War, and and these principles go through the generations here. And but Lincoln had a, a clear understanding of that as well. So I appreciate the clarification on that. This is Ben Martin. Uh, we're talking about our essential founding fathers. Uh, before we go to break, though, Castlegate Knife and Tool is one of those sponsors that brings these shows to you. Great, uh, great partners of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veterans Stories. And they have knives and, and tools from the best blade makers from throughout the world. And whether or not you're a chef or a uh, sportsman or collector, Castlegate Knife and Tool has the knife for you. So be sure and check out their great website. That's castlegate.com. Castlegate.com. We'll be right back with Ben Martin. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. His truth is marching And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You could email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. I thank you. Each and every one of you who support us, we are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Uh, on the line with me is Ben Martin. He is a patriotic historian, a graduate of West Point, uh, and also former Army Ranger. Has a great love for our American history. And uh, thank you to the, the Harris family for bringing this series to you. This year, we're going through the essential founding fathers of our country. We've been talking about George Washington and Benjamin Franklin, their relationship. Uh, ben Martin, where do we go from here? The, the two men were clearly connected as they were, uh, as we were creating our, our American constitutional republic. Yes, yes, Kim. And, and as we were talking about in, in our last segment there, 
the, the book that I was talking about that has just been was published in 2020. This book called this book talks about this is the first book really to talk about their leadership um, and their teamwork to bring us through the, the various phases of our of our whole of our American our national founding. Uh, and we talked we talked about those four phases the the phase the before the war. The, the, the phase of the war in the Declaration, and then the phase of making our Constitution and our government. And so in all those phases, in this book that, that, that I talked about before, I'd just like to give that, that name out to the readers. I don't make any money from this. I'm, I'm just plugging it because I think it's really important for us to understand and, it, and recognize that it's the first book that has really delved into this uh, uh, very deeply. And the book is called Franklin in Washington, The Founding Partnership. And it's by another Pulitzer Prize winner, Edward J. Larson. And, and uh, like I said, it's Copied and copyrighted in 2020, published and copyrighted in 2020, and it's a book that really goes into their working together and their, the, that they both kept in mind with them these founding principles, principles, the principles that we should never stray from, those principles that are shown to us in the Declaration of Independence and are interwoven in our founding uh, our governing document, the Constitution, the United States Constitution. And so, the, like I said, this is a good book. Again, Franklin and Washington, The Founding Partnership, and it's by Pulitzer Prize winner Edward J. Larson. Uh, and so as we talk about this and we go through that and we talked an overview of what the founders, these two essential founding fathers. Now, the founders that we're going to talk about throughout this the other founders we're going to bring to light are our are, 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 are founding fathers, this group called our founding fathers. But as was said at the first of this presentation, at the top of that, if, if America had a Mount Olympus, there would be Washington, and his partner would be Franklin. And these are the two the, the essential founding fathers. Everyone else is a founding father, but none of them contributed mightily as mightily as these two men, and not in just one phase, but in all three phases of our national founding. And so we have to give them special respect, and that's why uh, we put this lecture at the front of our year-long program, so that everybody could get a picture of what we mean by essential founding fathers, these two men. And then we will see their contributions put in context in the in the remaining programs, the remaining presentations we have throughout the year, Kim, and and we'll show more specifically what they did and how they they, they did their things that complemented each other and brought us this great nation that we have today in in the style of life that we live. So as this was over, as this uh, as we talked about in the last thing, Franklin died two years after the Constitution was ratified. But even though he was old and infirmed at the time, he had to be carried from his home in Philadelphia by sedan chair to the convention many times because he couldn't walk the two blocks. Uh, he, he just couldn't do it. And, and But he still, he was there. He sat through every one of the, uh, of the uh, meetings, and he contributed. 
he most of the time had to contribute through James Wilson because many times he couldn't stand to talk. Uh, he couldn't stand up and talk. And uh, it was so, but he and James Wilson uh, contributed only second to Governor Morris in, in the, the, what they put into the Constitutional Convention. And so we have to do that. But after that, as we said, Franklin uh, died two years after we had ratified the Constitution. And the, I want to share with the audience, because I think it's so important that to, to emphasize their leadership and their teamwork, that they, these two letters that they exchanged in 1789, uh, in the first one letter was from Benjamin Franklin to George Washington on the 16th of September, you know, that, that was, uh, you remember if you can go back to the 17th of September of 1787, that's when the delegates signed and approved the Constitution. And so this is like two years after that, in the 16th of September of 1789. And he, I, I've just kind of summarized this letter, but, but kept some of the real poignant words, uh, the, the quotes. And this is, from, this is from Franklin to Washington. It says, Dear Sir, I congratulate you on the recovery of your health. So precious to all of us. Now he's talking to Washington. And on the growing strength of our new government under your administration. So he's congratulating for recovering the problem that he had with his health. And he also... It was precious that you did this, and to also on the growing strength of the new government under your administration. And we talked about that, how, how, ben, how Benjamin Franklin saw what was going on and how George Washington was taking this Constitution and forming our first government to include the cabinet, uh, to include the Supreme Court, the members of the cabinet, and what their roles were and how this government would function, and how the three branches of government would function together. And so he said, I am pleased, this is Franklin going back again now, he said, I am pleased that I have lived these years since they have brought me to see our present situation. And he means that in the greatest terms. I am now finishing my 84th year, but in whatever state of existence I am placed hereafter, if I retain any memory of what has passed here, I shall with it retain the esteem, respect, and affection with which I have long been your friend. Yours uh, most sincerely, Benjamin Franklin. And, and that's the last uh, letter, that's the last correspondence, excuse me, that he served with Benjamin, that he, that he had or he shared with Washington. And in Washington on the 23rd of September, just a few days after that he had sent that, that Franklin had written that letter to him, he sends back, Dear Sir, the affectionate congratulations on the recovery of my health and the warm expression of personal friendship which were contained in your favor, meaning your letter, of the 16th, claim my gratitude. Would to God, my dear sir, <clears throat> that your existence that your existence might close with as much ease to yourself 
as its continuous has been beneficial to our country and most useful to mankind. You know, that those those are great words. You know about his gratitude and his existence and how much it has meant to the country and 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 to all of mankind. If to be venerated for benevolence, if to be admired for talent, if to be esteemed for patriotism, if to be loved for philanthropy can gratify the human mind, you must have the pleasing consolation to know that you have not lived in vain. Amazing oh, words. Wow. But he wow. said, be assured that so long as I retain my memory, <laughs> we're, we're talking okay. about that, you will be thought on with respect, veneration, and affection. My dear sir, your sincere friend and obedient, humble servant. And he signed to George Washington. So those are the two letters that kind of undergird under, you know, and, and give a broad sense to everyone of what they thought of each other and what they thought the other person meant to the country. Two very remarkable men. And the way that Washington signed off on that letter, your humble servant, uh, and, and, he, and that really was what they meant with representative government, is yep. that we'd have representatives that, that serve we the people, but not forever, not for, not for you know, 20, 30, 40 years, but that would serve and then let somebody else step forward to be a humble servant as well. Right. And... Because, you know, it cost them so much to their businesses. I mean, they, you know, the whole time that Washington was fighting the Revolutionary War, he never asked for a salary. He said, you know, you can't pay me enough to do this, so don't pay me. The only thing I would like is that if you would pay for my expenses that I incurred during this war. And that was all. And, you know, they they paid him. He kept, uh, dutifully, he kept his expenses, and, and they were repaid to him. Uh, but uh, he he was one of those guys. He was a magnanimous person. He he gave to the country, and when he looked at his and he kept uh, his his uh, managers of his farm of Mount Vernon, they kept meticulous records too. And during the time that he was away, his the 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 money that came in from. Uh, from what he, the management of his of his form of his uh, huge form, uh, did not cover the. He lost, in fact, he didn't even cover their expenses. He lost thirty thousand dollars during that time. That's a, that's a huge sum of money back then. Today, maybe it doesn't seem like a lot, but that that was a huge sum of money. And and he had to work really hard after that to get his form going again and and to get it efficient again. And so all of these men, when they would leave to go serve government, they left. Most of them were very uh, very good in what they did, and in their their jobs and their businesses. And they left those to to be servants, public servants, and that's something, and, and so they didn't want to do it for too long, they didn't want to, and they knew they couldn't get rich 
in government like we see so many people today doing. They knew that they they had businesses and they had to get back to them. But they would take, but, but because of their position and because of their desire for the country to be as great as it was, they gave of their time, they gave of their energy, they gave of their lives so that they could make our country successful. And and that is what a real public servant is. It's not somebody that serves for 30 or 40 years or 50 years in government. And as Benjamin uh, Franklin talked about George Washington and the whole country, the whole country and the whole world talked about talked about George Washington. And we'll talk about this in 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 later presentations. But he he relinquished power. He made himself, as, as, as Ellis talks about, he, he was the dis- indispensable man who made himself disposable. He resigned his power, not once, but twice. And he set a precedent that every president has followed in limiting his terms, except for FDR during the war, uh, the World, World War II, the Great, the great World War. And I'm not sure that that was the right thing to do, but he, but he did it. And I'm not sure that it always benefited our country. But uh, saying that, you know, it was brought back in and finally uh, made, you know, uh, made into the Constitution so that you only serve for two years, uh, two terms as a president. And George Washington, again, set examples. He set precedences which uh, we, we live by today and in which we found to be very beneficial. Well, Ben Martin, that's why this show is so important. Love doing this. This is uh, going to be brought to you once a month. It's uh, sponsored by the Harris family, our essential founding fathers. Ben Martin, thank you so much. I can't wait until next month. Uh, Me neither. Thank you, Kim. It is the first responsibility of every citizen to question authority. That is Benjamin Franklin. So, my friends, today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, if honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. 